Fantastic. You may be seated. It's wonderful to see you at Edge Church this morning during this special, special Christmas season. Thank you so much for being here. Do you ever get tired of seeing all of the conflicts in the world? Do you ever get weary of seeing people fight and lie and cheat and disagree, stab people in the back? I was watching the news the other day and I'm like, man, this just gets so old. This gets so old. Sometimes you just get weary, don't you, when you see that. God has given us a great hope, though, and that great hope is found in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. God promises that one day he's going to set the world right side up. One day, all of the suffering and shame, all of the pain of this world is is going to be put away as Jesus Christ comes again. We think a lot of times about Jesus in a manger during the Christmas season, but I want to expand your thinking a little bit this morning as we think about Jesus as he comes a second time. Jesus comes as a humble baby born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes in the Gospels. In the book of Revelation, Jesus comes again on a mighty white horse. He comes in strength. He comes in victory. He he comes with power and with judgment. And to really understand the person of Jesus, we have to understand the first coming and the second. And if you get too focused on one aspect of Jesus and you miss the other, you will always have a wonky theology. Jesus is both strong and powerful, and Jesus is both humble and mild. He's nothing less. I want you to open your Bibles today to the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. And Revelation is an encouraging book because the book tells us that Jesus wins. Amen? Isn't that good? Listen, if you play on Team Jesus, guess what? You're going to win. You're going to win. And the reason that this is so important is because God wants you to be spiritually confident. And if you know that your team's going to win in the end, then you play with a little swag. Is that true? Is it true athletically that teams that believe they're going to win are more often likely to do so? Right? I want you to win. I want you to be confident. I don't want you to be afraid of the trials and the tribulations and all the crazy stuff going on in the world. And when you know that Jesus is coming again and he's going to set the world right side up, it gives us a spiritual confidence. In Revelation 19, there are 10 different names that have been given, that were given to Jesus. We're going to look at four of those. And we've been in a series called All About Jesus. We've been looking at the wonderful names of Jesus throughout the book of Revelation. And last week we talked about how different names reveal different aspects of a person's identity. If you have a nickname, you probably have a nickname because of something you did or something that you are or or something related to, to, to who you are as a unique person. Jesus has over 200 different names throughout the Bible. Did you know that? Uh, Jesus is too magnificent to to be described by one name. And we're going to look at four specific 
names of Jesus from Revelation 19. And I've titled the message today, Jesus is my victory, because at the second coming, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful victory. Um, Number one, Jesus is my victory because he is my constant. He's my constant. Revelation 19.11, then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse and its rider was called Faithful and True. And with justice he judges and he makes war. And so the first name that John the Revelator describes Jesus as at the second coming is Faithful and True. And true. Faithful and true. Do you see it there? In other words, Jesus is trustworthy. Uh, Jesus is absolutely uh, to be trusted in every way. His name is faithful and true. Faithful and true. And he shows up on a white horse that signifies the victory and the power and the vitality of Jesus. So up until this point, um, there's been trials and tribulations. The church has been raptured. And we know that earlier in the pages of Revelation, it says that all those that are in Christ are going to be raptured. One day people are going to go to work and some of their friends aren't going to be there. (laughs) And and one day um, somebody's going to come knock on your door and you're not going to be home. You're going to be raptured. And then seven years later, the second coming of Christ is going to come. But before the seven years is expired, there will be great tribulation on the earth. Massive, massive problems, suffering, struggle, and all that. But listen, Jesus is coming again. And in chapter 19, Jesus shows up on the white horse, and he is the one who is faithful and true. When has Jesus ever failed? When has Jesus ever forgotten you? When has Jesus ever made a promise that he did not deliver on? When has Jesus ever not finished what he started? When has Jesus ever made a pledge that he could not fulfill? His adversaries called him crazy. They even called him full of demonic spirits. They questioned him. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was a liar. But Jesus has always been faithful and true. Now, the devil is the father of lies, John uh, chapter 8, verse 44 tells us. And he is uh, the opposite. He's to be contrasted with Jesus. Jesus is the one who's faithful and true. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 says that he will never leave us. Uh, John 14, 27 says that he is the giver of peace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says he promises to guard us and he will hold us up with his righteous right hand, Isaiah 41, verse 10 says. Maybe you're wondering today, how have I gotten through all that I'm going through? God is the one that is holding you up with his righteous right hand. God is the one who is holding you, holding you up today. And his son Jesus is faithful and true. Jesus is the one who is there, who is with you. Jesus is the one that's going to continue to hold you together. You can always count on Jesus. People will let you down, but you can always count on him. He is faithful. He is true. He is constant. He is steady. David learned this when he wrote in the pages of the 23rd Psalm. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff comfort me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace looked over, and they saw the fourth person. And they learned that Jesus is faithful. He's faithful and true. Peter discovered it when he denied the Lord three times, and Jesus forgave him. Paul discovered it when he wrote the words of Romans 8.39, Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Listen, all hell may be breaking loose in your life, but I want you to know Jesus is faithful and true. And he will finish every single thing that he has started in your life. That's why Jesus is our victory. That's why we look to him. That's why we pray to him. That's why we rely on him. That's why our confidence is not in ourselves, but it is in him because he is the one who is faithful and true. Faithful and true. But Jesus is not just faithful and true. He is also magnificent. He's constant. He's magnificent. Now, this is so amazing. I got so excited this week when I started studying this passage today. Did you know that Jesus has a name that no one knows? Look at this in uh, verse 12. His eyes were like a fiery flame. And his many crowns were on his head and he had a name written that no one knows except himself. Did you know that Jesus is so spectacular that he has a name that we don't even know what it is? I mean, that's incredible. And one day we will know that name. But there's a mystery there's a magnificence about Jesus. It's beyond our own comprehension. It's, it's, it's really amazing. We know a lot about Jesus. We know that he died on the cross for our sins. We know that he resurrected. We know that he came to earth and, and healed people and, and, and taught profound things in his sermons. And, and we know a lot about Jesus. But did you know there's even some things about Jesus that we don't even know? He's that great. He's that wonderful. He's that wonderful. And he has all these names in scripture, but there's a name that no one knows because he's just that special. His deeds extend far beyond what we can even comprehend. Jesus is more. Jesus is more. Jesus is, Jesus is more of what we need in our life. Did you know Jesus has more answers to your problems than anybody else? Not only is he faithful and true, but he's magnificent. He's magnificent. His deeds and his power extend beyond our own comprehension. It's beautiful. Jesus is amazing. And, and notice it says there that he is crowned with many crowns. And many crowns were on his head. In the ancient world, when you were a king and you defeated an enemy, you took the crown of the king. And if you were really powerful, you had all kinds of crowns because of all the victories that you had won. And notice he says that Jesus has many crowns. Listen, Jesus is the Lord. He's the king over every problem in your life, every struggle, every issue. Jesus Christ is the king. His power could not be properly expressed by one crown. So he wears many crowns. 
And I don't know exactly how Jesus is going to get all those crowns on his head, but Revelation says that he will. (laughs) It's beautiful, isn't it? I saw a picture in People magazine not too long ago of Tom Brady with all his Super Bowl rings. Now, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. In fact, I know Bronco fans were really excited when he went over to the Buccaneers to play in the NFC. You know, Bronco fans were like, okay, at least we could get to the Super Bowl and not have to face Brady. Okay, he's in the other conference. Amen. But the guy's got seven, he's got seven rings. You are a bad dude if you have a Super Bowl ring on your pinky. And People Magazine had all, you know, he had all his fingers out and he was, you know, that's amazing. I can't, he was the MVP five of the seven and he's played in ten. That's crazy. He is the Lord of the Rings, man, when it comes to football. And he was looking at the rings. You know, I, I imagine Brady's like, yeah, you know, I beat Mahomes over here and I beat Russell Wilson on this one. And then, um, you know, there was that other occasion that I, I set the Super Bowl record for most yards thrown in the game, you know, 466 yards against the Falcons. And, you know, and, and, and I was the oldest starting quarterback in NFL history to, to start in the Super Bowl. And he's just going and he's looking at all the rings that, 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 that reveal his victories. Well, I'll tell you, in a spiritual sense, Jesus has many crowns. He has many victories. He has many triumphs. And his head is filled with all of these great victories. It's awesome. That's why we can trust him. That's why we love him. That's why we worship him. That's why, that's why we serve him. Because he's really that magnificent. He's that amazing. He, he, he's incredible. He's magnificent. Uh, he's transformative, though. Look, look, look at this. It gets even better here in Revelation 19, 13. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And, and theologians kind of debate, why was his robe dipped in blood? Was it the blood of Calvary? Does it represent Jesus' death on the cross? I think that's a good thought, maybe so. It may also represent the victories that Jesus is fighting at the Battle of Armageddon. And, and I kind of read Revelation 19, 13. I kind of think Jesus opened up a can, is what I think of, when it says he wore a robe dipped in blood. Um, it's interesting that his name here is called the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God. And in, in the language of the New Testament, it's a word called logos. Everybody say logos. Maybe you've heard that word before. It means word, logos, word. But it's also a word that is similar to the English word logo. And when you look at a logo, what does a logo do? It conveys a message, doesn't it? We have an Edge Church logo. And we met with a graphic artist and a, you know, a company back in the day. We were designing that and they asked a zillion questions, you know, trying to get to what is the look or the vibe or what do you want to communicate or whatever? Jesus is the logo of God. Jesus is the word of God. And the logos means a message. So God communicated a message through his son, Jesus. And the message was that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was the message. 
So when Jesus is the word, Jesus is the message of God. Jesus is the logo of God. Now, I love logos that don't have any words on them, like the golden arches, McDonald's. Sometimes you see the golden arches, don't you? How many have, have a little craving for some French fries? Anybody? When I think of Mickey D's, I think of golden French fries, I think of elaborate playgrounds, and I think of dirty tables. <laughs> I don't know about you. When my kids were small, they would get kind of bored in the wintertime and they would be like, Dad, we want to play. And I would take them to McDonald's like on a Sunday afternoon or Saturday or something like that when it was cold outside. And they would just play, you know, outside, play in the, in the playground. It was awesome. So I think about that when I see the golden arches. I don't know. Maybe you think of something else. But for me, I think about Starbucks. I think about that green logo with the woman with long hair. I think about lattes. Um, I think about... Uh, Apple computers, I'm an Apple guy, not a PC guy. I know everybody else has a PC except me, but I think about artistry and creativity with Apple computers. I, I love the swoosh. I'm actually wearing some of my favorite pair of Nikes. What do you guys think? These looking good? I feel the spirit a little bit when I, when I preach in Nikes, and I feel the Holy Ghost a little bit. But I love the swoosh. And the swoosh is something really awesome. You know, they say back in the day that the logo was designed by a woman. Um, she kind of sketched it out and they paid her $35. Can you believe that? It's one of the most recognizable uh, pictures or images on planet Earth, $35. But when you think about the swoosh, what do you think about? You think about working out, exercising. I think about going to the gym and looking good. Like, sometimes I wear Adidas, but when I want to really look good, I wear Nike. I wear Nike. Victory. Nike. Um, there's also the Target. The Target logo. The red dot with a circle around it. Maybe you see that around town somewhere. I was asking my wife, I said, honey, what do you think of when you see the Target logo? She said, well, it reminds me of spending way too much money on because I accidentally slipped some clothes into my grocery cart. She said, my list at Target goes like this. Milk, eggs, T-shirts. Flour, toilet paper, jeans. Shampoo, paper towel, leggings. And as I was like, well, is that why we spend so much at the grocery store? Is that what it is? I was like, go to King Supers. They just have groceries, right? But when you see that logo, it communicates something. Listen, I want you to remember, whenever you think about the name Jesus, Jesus is the logo of God. He's the word of God. And God has communicated a beautiful message to us from the Savior, through the Savior, Jesus Christ, the logo, the word of God. Now, anytime the word of God is mentioned in Scripture, it's always moving and it's always like doing things. Okay, And that's why Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It says uh, at the end of that verse, it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it's amazing. The word of God, it discerns black from white. It discerns truth from error. 
Whenever we're trying to make a decision, we ought to hold up that decision in light of the word of God and the word of God will reveal the intentions of our heart and it will judge our thoughts, our motivations. It's beautiful. And that's why when the word of God is active and it's moving, it means that you can read a Bible verse on a Monday and God can inspire you this way, but you might also read the same verse on Friday and God might inspire you another way. Amen. Maybe God's spoken to you that way or you felt inspired because the word of God is living and active. It's not dead. Listen, the Bible is not just a textbook. The word of God is living and it's active. It's moving. It fulfills every purpose that God has set before it. It will never return void, Isaiah the prophet wrote. Jesus is intentional. Jesus is coming back. He's going to fulfill every obligation. Um, the word of God brings protection. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Um, Proverbs uh, chapter 30 verse 5 says, Jesus is our protection. He's our protection. Uh, Jesus is our creator. I mean, look at the gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And <clears throat> the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. Now you may wonder, well, how in the world was Jesus a part of creation? Well, remember, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the three parts of the Trinity. They've always been here. They are co-equal. So listen, we think about the birth of Jesus. We kind of think, well, that's the beginning of Jesus. But actually, when you read the Bible... Jesus was around a lot longer. In fact, Jesus was here at creation. Jesus was here. He was the word when God spoke and the heavens were created and the planets were put into orbit. Jesus was there. Listen, Jesus is a creator. The reason that your life matters so much is because you were created by Jesus and you have a purpose. God did not create you by accident. God has a divine reason. God has a direction for your life. You were created. You were thought up in the sovereignty and, and in the magnificence and the creativity of the word of God, Jesus. not beautiful? You matter so much. When God thought of you, he thought about your personality type. He thought about how you would look, whether you're tall or short. He thought about the family of origin. He thought about the country you'd be born in. That was all predetermined by God. And the word of God is creative. He's a creative, he's a creative God. But he has a purpose for everything that he creates. I love that about the word of God. We have a motto here at our church, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Isn't that good? We got a big front door here at Edge Church. We welcome lots of people. Come on in here, man. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. Let the word transform your heart. Let the message, the logo of God, the logos, the, the word of God, let that change the way you think 
Let that what change the way you act. Let it change your heart, your family, your purpose, your life. Come as you are. Just don't stay that way. Do something different. Jesus is here to transform the word of God. God gave us the word, the logos, that we could be made in his likeness. But finally, Jesus is our victory because he's triumphant. In verse 16, a new name, another name is given to Jesus. And and his name written on his robe and on his thigh was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I kind of imagine Jesus at the second coming is going to be wearing a robe and it's going to be like monogrammed probably down at the bottom. It might say like King of Kings on this side and it might say Lord of Lords on this side. But one thing is going to be absolutely true. Everybody who sees this rider on the white horse is going to know this, this is Jesus He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And notice it doesn't just say Jesus is a king. Jesus is a king, but he's not only a king. He is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. In other words, nobody, nobody even gets close to Jesus. Jesus is in, he's in a category that that he is all alone. I mean, nobody else can get close to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Wow. And his name, Jesus. It's going to be a public, it's going to be a public event when he bursts onto the scene on and that, and that beautiful white horse. Um, and, and in the verses shortly after his second coming, he fights the battle of Armageddon. That's the battle of all battles. It's the only battle that I can ever think of that is fought by the general alone. Did you know that? In the battle of Armageddon, God doesn't have us fighting. Jesus wipes out all the bad guys. He throws the devil into the lake of fire along with the Antichrist, and he throws down on all of his followers and disciples. Okay, Everybody that's following the Antichrist and the devil, they get wiped out at the battle of Armageddon. But Jesus does it all. Jesus fights the battle and he doesn't even have a weapon. Amen. I mean, come on now. I mean, this is his power and authority. Listen, I want you to know today you're fighting some battles. But you don't fight that battle alone. Let God fight your battles. Let God fight for you. Don't think it's all all up to you. Let him do it. All things are under him. Jesus reigns over our problems. Jesus reigns over our grief. Jesus reigns over our enemies. Jesus reigns over our financial crisis. And the devil's powerful, but he's nothing compared to Jesus. Jesus puts him in a headlock, throws him into the lake of fire where he spends a thousand years before he's obliterated. Check that out at the end of the book of Revelation. Wow, he's the king He's the king of kings. And the response of our heart when we think about this magnificent Savior, the word of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the 
the faithful and true, the, 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 the Savior that doesn't, has a name, we don't even know the name because he's got so many. When we think about that, we should respond in awe and worship. And the Apostle John saw this great vision in Revelation 19.10 and it says, Then I fell at his feet to worship him. And he's talking to the angel here. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. And then the angel says to him, Worship God. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, man, don't worship me, worship him. Look at Jesus, the rider on the white horse. Jesus is our victory. Would you pray with me for just a moment? We pray just a moment. Could we just have a moment with God, nobody moving around, and just a moment of, of silence and reflection and contemplation and and I want to pray for you today if you'd say pastor pray for me pray for me this morning pray for me that Jesus would be my victory would you raise your hand wherever you are I just want to pray for you wherever you are yeah all over this room the front the back sides of the middle over here thank you I see you over here yeah, thank you. Over here, over here, over here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, you see these hands raised and these hearts surrendered to you. And Lord, today would you be our victory? Today would you, would you teach us? Would you remind us that you are the one who's faithful and true? You're the word of God. You, you, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords and, and so much more today, Lord. Help us today to, to be strengthened and encouraged as we think about the grandeur and the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And while our heads are bowed for just a moment and our, our eyes are closed, I know in a room like this, there are those of us that have never committed our lives to Jesus Christ. But today, God has spoken to you. And you want to ask Christ to come in and be your King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, today, it's not good enough to just know that Jesus is the King of Kings. You gotta have the King of Kings living on the inside of you. And you can do that simply by asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment. And in this prayer, you're gonna be saying, I want Christ to come into my life. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins and make me a brand new person. I, I wanna have a relationship, man, with the Savior that is the Word of God, the faithful and true the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you do it today? While our heads are bowed for just a moment, would you lift your hand today if you say, man, today I want to pray. I want to pray with you. I want to ask Christ into my life. Thank you. I see you right here. Somebody else today, just hold it up high, wherever you are. And I'll lead you in prayer. Thank you in the back. I see you over here. Somebody else over here on the side. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and if you raise your hand, I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a brand new person as I'm inviting Jesus into my heart and into my life. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and making me new. And we pray this in your precious and wonderful name. Amen.